We're going to be looking at a study together uh, this evening on unity. What can inspire us to unify as brothers and sisters in Christ? This is not a new subject at all, but it is one that we must address from time to time just because of the devil's work. The devil never stops trying to cause division. It's not a new study at all for us because the last few weeks we've been trying to focus on on the unity of the brethren. A few weeks ago on a Sunday we uh, looked at a lesson that we simply called Restore or Restored, emphasizing the fact that the New Testament, the New Testament documents are our only standard for religion through the will of God. And our Lord went to a great deal of work uh, through the cross and through coming uh, to the earth, through the providence of, of God and many other measures to make sure that we have uh, the will of God, that we have His will. And we're thankful. And so to have unity, we must stand on the New Testament, the, the new covenant of Jesus. Also, a couple of weeks ago, we were able to uh, look at a lesson that we called Tender Affection. Tender Affection. Where we try to really get into our hearts and understand the kind of love that the Lord would have us to have and to possess for each other. Tender Affection. That basically is, is a love of family. We are really, we truly are brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. We are brothers and sisters at church. And that's the type of love that we are to have, tender affection. And the other day we were able also to study what we simply called having the best motives as we serve together in the kingdom. And so in addition to these lessons, we want to look at this one tonight. What can inspire us? What are some more encouragements toward unity? And if you're able to look at our worksheet tonight, you'll see that first of all, what can inspire us to unity is God himself, the Godhead. As you understand, God is God in three persons, three persons in one divine nature, God the Father, and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as we think about that together, we can see how that they have always worked in remarkable unity uh, together. And we are supposed to look at their unity and learn to be unified ourselves. Let me look at that with you. John chapter 17 is a place we need to read to understand that the Lord does want us to look at Him, at him so that we can learn uh, to be unified. So John 17 verse 11 is Jesus prays for His apostles. Uh, he says this, John 17, 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Father. I am coming to you, Holy Father. So please keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. You see that? John 17, 11. We are to be one, even as the Father and Son are one. Jesus continues this thought in John 17 in his prayer. Verses 20 and 21, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, 
that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Going into verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even, even as we are one. So that's a very important teaching that the Lord is sharing with us there. He's making the point and we need to follow up on it. As we think about this, think about what you can what what you have here before you and think about the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is not wrong to refer to God as the sacred family. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They form, even though they are three persons, three distinct persons, three diverse persons, each having different roles, yet they are one. James 2, verse 19 is an interesting verse to consider. James 2, verse 19. James writes, You believe that there is one God, you do well. God is one. Even though He's three persons, He is one. That verse goes on to say, James 2, 19, that the demons also believe and they tremble or they, they shudder. This shows us that just having a faith alone without having a faith that obeys is doing just like the demons do. It's demonic. Uh, that's not the type of faith that God will want us to have. But we can see here that God is very much unified. And this is illustrated in three distinct ways. The entire Godhead worked together in the, in creation, in the creation account. In creating the universe, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit work together. This is seen in Genesis 1, 1 and 2 where it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, heavens and the earth. But then verse 2 says the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And there are numerous passages in the New Testament like John 1, 1 through 3 and Hebrews 1, 3 and Colossians 1, uh, 16 that shows that Jesus himself, the Son, uh, the, the, uh, the Word, John 1 verses 1 through 3, uh, was instrumental in creating the universe uh, as well. And so notice that all three persons were involved in creation. I want us to especially emphasize that all three, the entire Godhead, was involved in bringing salvation to this earth. And there's one passage I want us to uh, notice Galatians uh, 4. Please turn over in your Bible to Galatians uh, 4, which will illustrate this very idea that all three were involved in the salvation process, which is not surprising, but it's good for us to see it as Paul writes it here. Galatians 4, verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive the adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So notice all three involved in this process of making us sons of God. God sent forth His Son, and then when we obey Him, then the Spirit of God comes into our hearts. Notice how you become sons, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. 
see in Paul's words here, verse 26, we are all the children of God uh, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on uh, Christ. And so God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all involved in us becoming Christians in our becoming children of God. But also this is illustrated uh, when you think about the Bible being inspired. We said a moment ago that um, what brings us together, what we stand upon together is the New Testament. And God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all involved in bringing us the New Testament. Look quickly with me to John 14, 15, and 16 and see that explained in your Bible. John 14, verse, around verse 26, and then John 15, around verse 26, and John 16, 13. But notice how that Jesus is going to be promising that the truth would be brought upon, be revealed to the apostles sometime very soon. Actually, it would be done on the day of Pentecost. But notice how he is promising uh, this. And notice carefully the words uh, that are used. So John 14, 25 and 26, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. So notice that the Holy Spirit will come upon the apostles. It will be sent by the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. And then notice John 15 and also verse 26. Jesus says to his apostles, But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then John 16, uh, 13, Jesus follows up on what he's just said. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This spirit coming upon the apostles from the Father in the name of Jesus Christ would help them to remember what Jesus has taught them. It will help them to bear witness about what they have seen concerning Jesus. And then it will declare more, they'll be able to declare more of the truth that Jesus wants us uh, to know. And then also declare the things to come, such as the tremendous hope that we have in heaven. And all those things we have in the New Testament. Okay, so by looking at the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we can see that it is possible and it's all that to be unified, but also that the Lord would have us to follow His example uh, to be unified. Okay. And there are other examples. When you think about the baptism of Jesus, all three were, were there. When you think about the birth of Jesus, all three were involved as Jesus and, and came to be born uh, on this earth as a, as a man. The Holy Spirit overshadowed uh, Mary, the Virgin Mary, and uh, Jesus was sent here by the Father. Okay. So that's one inspiration that we can find uh, toward unity, and we see that in, in these scriptures. The reason I wanted to mention this first is because Jesus plainly says 
We want you to be one just as, just as we, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are one. All right? A second ideal that can inspire us to unify is to look at the examples of the early Christians that we read about in the New Testament. For example, in Acts 4.32, one of my favorite passages in, in all the book of Acts, really, Acts 4 and 32, Luke records, and all those that, that believed, all those who were becoming Christians, all those that believed were of one heart and one soul, and neither said any of them that the things which they possessed were, was their own, but they had all things common. One of the qualities that helped them to unify so much in those days was the unselfish spirit that um, was part of the, the hearts of the early disciples. And so they were all uh, together. And you'll notice on your sheet or you'll notice on the worksheet that one particular quality they had was they were able to work through challenges. And challenges do come. And brethren, because we have the same goals, and basically our goals are to glorify God, to help others come to know Christ, and then help each other uh, get to heaven. Those are our big goals. We cannot lose sight of these goals. But even though we have these goals, there's going to be challenges and difficulties, and they face these as we read throughout the book of Acts. And just to mention a few of these, in Acts 6, verse 1, some of the Grecian widows were being neglected, and the apostles got together, and they assigned seven men to take care of this work, and this was done. And two of those men that we remember, Stephen, who went on to preach in different places, and Philip also, who, who went on to preach in different places. Okay. But they handled that, uh, that little issue uh, that came up. We know that in the early church that it took a while for the Jews and the Greeks and the Samaritans to be able to unify together. Many from across the, the world of that day were becoming uh, Christians, but um, they brought some baggage into the church with them, and they had to learn to put, put aside their differences and focus on what Jesus would have everybody uh, to do. So in Acts chapter uh, uh, 10 and 11, you remember that Peter was sent to the household of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile believer, and Peter taught him the gospel. He was baptized with all his household. But some, if you, especially if you look at Acts 11, verse uh, 1 and 2, you see that some of the Jews, Jewish believers in that day, they had a contention with Peter, and they called Peter and wanted to know what he was doing and why he was doing it. And Peter went, Acts 11, 1 through 18, and he explained it step by step, step by step. And he reminded them of God's will uh, for the church. And if you'll notice there... Um, Acts 11 and verse number 18, that when they heard Peter, they carefully uh, listened to him, and they reasoned these things out together. And then Acts 11:18 says, when they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying that to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And that was a glorious day. 
because that contributed to the unity of that early church. That could have been a very explosive situation, but Peter calmly and step by step in a reasonable way explained the will of God, explained some passages from the Old Testament, showed that he had been sent to the household of Cornelius and they were reminded and they all glorified God uh, together. And so by looking at the early examples of those um, Christians, then um, we can see that we need to follow their example. There are many other things that could be said, but if you'll just remember some of the issues that came up about the Grecian widows of Acts 6, Acts 10 and 11 with the, with the Jewish and the Gentile um, uh, immersion uh, together, even in Acts 15, they had to have a meeting because um, some of the Jewish Christians wanted the uh, Gentile Christians to submit to the, to the act of circumcision. And so they had a big meeting about that. The thing is, though, that they carefully worked through their differences in love and in loyalty uh, to the will of God, and they were able to do that. So their example is very important. Okay? Now, in the third place, Let's mention another uh, ideal that can inspire us to unify together. There is a, there is a formula that is um, easily seen. And if you're following along in your Bible, uh, we want to turn over to Ephesians 4 at this point and notice the formula. I call it a formula. Uh, it's just easily seen. But Paul takes the first three verses of Ephesians 4 and then he takes the next three verses, and it seems that in the first three verses, he says, here are the qualities of the heart that are needed to unify with each other. And then in verses four through six, he mentions the features of the doctrine, the features of sound doctrine that needs to be uh, possessed in order to unify. Both of these are extremely important. Both, both of these are vital to the unity of the church. Notice some of these qualities of Ephesians 4, uh, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so if we have these qualities, especially the quality there of bearing with one another, being patient with one another, being people of restraint, people who keep our eyes on the big goals of glorifying God, helping each other get to heaven, reaching out to a lost world. If we will keep our eye on the big goals and then be patient with one another, then these are some of the qualities of the heart that God would have us to possess. But then in addition to that, verses 4 through 6, Paul says there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. These are examples of some of the doctrinal elements that were to bind them together uh, as well. And so one body would refer to uh, the Lord's church, and one hope would refer uh, to heaven. Uh, one Lord, of course, to Jesus, one, one faith would be, of course, the faith that we possess because of our reading and studying and, and looking at the scriptures. And one baptism is, is part of that um, obedience that takes us into Christ. One God and Father who is above all and through all and in us 
all. Okay. And so by looking at this formula, then uh, we, can, we can be sure to continue to be unified. It's not that this is anything new, it's just that it's easy to forget. And the devil has a way of helping us to forget as we get involved in day-to-day -day, uh, life. One point we make here on the worksheet is that this formula reminds us that God will not approve of unity at all costs. And this is, this is where brethren sometimes will lose their balance in matters of religion. They will understand, well, it's important to unify. The Lord wants us to unify. But he doesn't want us to unify at the expense of certain things. And notice how we listed this here on our sheet or here on uh, the worksheet. Okay. He doesn't want us to unify at the expense of the truth. Of course he doesn't. We've, we've emphasized that quite a bit. You'll notice here in the book of Ephesians where we were just reading, Paul emphasizes the truth again and again. For example, in Ephesians 4, verse 15, he says we ought to be speaking the truth in love. Notice that in order to become a Christian, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that we are to hear the truth, the word of the gospel. Notice in Ephesians 6, verse 14, that as we begin to put on the Christian armor, uh, we must have on a, a belt of truth. Okay. And then notice in Ephesians 6 and 17, uh, part of the armor is to take the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God. And we read earlier that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And so when we take the Spirit's Word, we are taking uh, the truth. What happens sometimes is that in order to appease people, brethren have a, a weakness, and not just in our day, but this was something Paul was facing as well. Brethren have a weakness, and they start desiring, for, for the sake of unity, to take some of the elements found in the world and blend them with elements of the gospel. And you see, that's what was happening back there in Acts 15. Some of the Jewish brethren were putting pressure on the apostles, saying, hey, circumcision has always been part of our religious heritage. And so we need to declare that unless you are circumcised, you cannot have the salvation in Christ. Well, that was not right. And Peter stood up there in a wonderful speech. And if you have time, read it, Acts 15, 6 through 11. It's an amazing little speech that Peter gives, but he, he brings a balance and a calmness to that situation, which is really uh, inspiring. Okay? And so, but that's what happens, and that's why we say we cannot have unity, unity at the expense of truth. And there is that temptation to try to appease part of the world, and we see even that happening uh, today. And we, we see brethren, we see good, sound people who will who will try to appease or try to create a unity at the expense of something that the Lord uh, teaches. Some of our brethren, um, I'm thinking of a couple of congregations in the southeast on my mind right now who have opened up a, a, an extra service on Sunday morning. Uh, that, 
and in that service they have mechanical instruments of music being used. That later in the morning, at 11 o'clock, they will have a regular service that doesn't have mechanical instruments of music, but the early service now has instruments in that. That is, a, that is what happens when we begin to try to unify at the expense of, uh, of truth. But also, we don't need to unify at the expense of holy living. And Paul seems to emphasize that uh, greatly here in the book of Ephesians. He says we need to be unified in Ephesians 4, but he says in Ephesians 5, he says we cannot have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, Ephesians 5, 9 through 11. In fact, if you read from Ephesians 5, 3 onward, you'll see Paul listing things like fornication and, and adultery and idolatry and greed and other things that, that will plague a Christian's personal life. And he says, we can't have that. Okay. Part of being unified is to walk according to the commandments of God. One verse that I would really like to spend time on is in 3 John verse 6, where he says, this is the love of God that you walk after his commandments. See, we, we want to unify together, but not at the expense of holy living. One thing that that we must realize unity is not just about what we do together. Each member of the body of Christ must live in a way that's pleasing to God in their daily life as they, as they personally, on a daily basis, shine the light of Jesus wherever it is that they're having to go every day. And if that's not happening, if, if that's not happening, I should say, if that's not happening, then that creates a division uh, within the body. See? So not at the expense of truth, not at the expense of holy living, and certainly not at the expense of the dig dignity of a faithful brother. And that's why we've been emphasizing tender affection and having the best motives uh, possible. Okay. So notice here that we're looking at a few things that can inspire us to unity. One would be how God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always worked together. A second thing would be to notice the examples of the early church, the early Christians, and how they worked together, sometimes having to face challenges together, but yet they continue to work together. And then thirdly, to notice this formula, this formula, qualities of the heart plus features of sound doctrine, that will always equal uh, unity. And then in the fourth place, I want us to notice very carefully that, that in order for us to be uh, unified, we need to keep in mind the opportunities that come our way when we are unified. We go back to that statement that Jesus made in John 17. I want you to be one as, as the Father is one. I want you to be one so that the world may believe. You see? that the world may believe. Unity brings opportunities, opportunities to reach out to a lost and dying world. The early church was a diverse people. I think about Jesus in his band of apostles that he put together Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. A zealot was someone who dedicated their life to work against the Roman government. Okay. 
they thought from their Jewish religious heritage that only God should be a governor, only God should be reigning over his people, and they resisted with, sometimes with even, even violence, they resisted the, the government of, of the Roman officials. Okay? But Jesus was able to bring together Simon the Zealot and Matthew, who was working for the government. How was he able to do that? Well, again, he taught them the true gospel. He taught them about glorifying God, about the Great Commission reaching out to others, and about a greater home. In my Father's house are many mansions. And so he was able to bring them uh, together. And when, when brethren come together who have diverse backgrounds and have different lives, and also who are persecuted for the cause, then the world will stand up the world will stand up and take notice. That's what Jesus is saying. I've encouraged brethren, and I've tried to make it happen in my life, my own life as well. But whenever we are undergoing a challenging situation, that is when the world is going to be focusing their eyes upon us in the sharpest way possible. Okay. They want to see how do we handle persecution. They want to see you know, how, do, how do we handle sickness? How do we handle loss? How do we handle uh, setbacks? How do we handle life when it doesn't go the way we want it to go? And when they see us maintaining faith, love, hope, and unity, then according to Jesus, then they will stand up and take notice. And perhaps that will clear a pathway for them to be interested uh, in the true gospel. Okay. And so... The, the reason that we are inspired to unify together is to notice the pathway, the, the opportunity that gives us to reach out uh, to the world. And I think that we all can, under, we can all understand uh, that. Okay. Um, notice the C part here under opportunities, number four. We mentioned here that unity can be a means of building one another up. Paul instructs this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. He says we ought to continuously be exhorting one another and building one another up. It just makes good sense, don't it? It makes good sense. If we are standing side by side, and, and here's another statement made by Paul in Philippians 1.27. He says we ought to be standing side by side, striving for the faith of the gospel. Okay. We are like... We're like soldiers, and we're in a war. And when we stand side by side, then we will help each other along the way. Notice this passage from Ecclesiastes 4 that is always a good one to read in association with unity. And maybe you haven't seen this in a while. Ephesians 4, 9 uh, through 12 uh, addresses this very theme. I'm going to read it for us. Ephesians 4. Ephesians, did I say Ephesians? Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12. The inspired writer says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will pick up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another 
to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against uh, one who is alone, two will withstand him better. A threefold cord is not quickly uh, broken. And notice the last part of what uh, the wise man said there. You might be able to fight against a false doctrine by yourself, but how much better it is if there's another who is standing beside you and also fighting this false idea or this false way uh, of living. So two are better uh, than one. And so we see here that we are inspired to unity because of the opportunities that that unity uh, will bring. We didn't mention the B part here. Uh, it's kind of self-explanatory, but if you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that along with the preaching of the gospel and the reaching out with the gospel to the world, the brethren were continuously uh, unified. Okay? And that helped the gospel to go forward uh, in, in a more uh, effective manner. Okay? And then finally, I want us to notice number five here, and that is we are inspired to unify because of how ugly division really is. There's nothing more disgusting than for brethren in Christ to claim to be brethren and yet to be divided and to not have the qualities of love that um, are taught in the New Testament. And the consequences of that, of course, is that we will lose uh, our souls. And trying to think about the time I wanted us to be done just next couple of minutes. But uh, to emphasize uh, this, I want to read a couple of verses from the book of Proverbs. And I'll start with chapter 16. Let's look at Proverbs uh, 16. We'll just read this one from Proverbs uh, 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, 27 and 28. That's where we need to read. And this is just to illustrate how ugly division can be. Proverbs 16, 27 and 28. A worthless man plots evil. And his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close friends. The Lord would have us to be close. What brings us close is not our personalities. It's really not our common Ideals. It's really not our, our um, common habits, I should say. It's our faith in Christ. And that should draw us, you know, Proverbs um, 
18 says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We actually become brothers and sisters in Christ. For someone to go off the path and begin to cause strife, whether it's by dishonest means or, or just becoming a whisperer or a tailbearer, uh, there's nothing more opposite to Jesus Christ uh, than that. It would be interesting to, to notice how often Jesus uses the word one. When he uses that word, he often is illustrating unity. Unity. In John 10 and verse 16, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and there is one shepherd and one flock. One shepherd, one flock. He often said, as the Father is in me and I am in the Father, so I want you to be in us so that you can be one just like we are. In John 10 and verse 30, Jesus says, I am the Father, I am the Father, and we are one. We are one. And so I wanted to notice with you uh, this evening a lesson that is really built on the other lessons of tender affection, uh, adhering to the New Testament uh, ways of teaching, having the proper uh, motives as we serve. I wanted to add to that that there are some other encouragements that can inspire us to unify. And these are simply uh, the example of the Godhead, the example of the early disciples, the obvious and peculiar um, formula for unity that's found uh, in, in the New Testament. And to see that uh, we are never to be unified at the expense of truth or at the expense of a faithful brother or at the expense of holy living. To see that the very fact that our unity can help reach out to a, to a lost and dying world ought to be an inspiration enough uh, for us uh, to unify. And then finally to notice that uh, we are inspired by the consequences of division. We could say a lot more about that, but we're going to draw this uh, to a conclusion.